As we regroup, we've got two readings this morning from Acts, both about women. The first is from Acts chapter 9. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come with us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed, and he turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. And then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. The second reading about a woman is also from Acts, from chapter 16. We therefore set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, a nice trip through the Greek islands, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we went down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer of purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Your word, dear Lord, surprises us and touches us. So startle us once again with your possibility. And it is in your holy and divine name that we pray. Amen. Going back a couple of years, back in the day, an F2 tornado hit the town, the small town where I was a pastor. Multiple blocks were destroyed, multiple damage throughout the town. The next day, when I was able to go to the town without, go into town without disturbing the work of recovery efforts, I marched right into the Salvation Army Community Center in the town, where the director, Judy, was moving in every direction, doing four times as much a, amount of work that anybody could ever do in that amount of time. She saw me come in and turned around and said, the Presbyterian Church has arrived. I knew they would. She didn't even breathe a second breath and said, kitchen. So off I marched to the kitchen where meals for two to 300 people were being prepared for a week or two weeks, we didn't know, two weeks, we didn't know how long the recovery process would take. We had to feed workers, we had to feed homeowners who didn't have a home anymore. And I worked alongside of the cook. Tony was her name, 
That's all I knew. Tony was the cook. She knew my name. I was the one who was not her sous chef, but I arranged and moved things around. That's all we needed to know about each other because we were in recovery mode for this small town. When our work came to an end, the workers who were helping with recovery moved out. We did not need to prepare meals anymore. Judy, the director of the community center, said, Jane, I would like you to meet Tony, Councilwoman Tony. Oh, I said in all my brilliance, I thought you were a cook. And Judy looked at Tony and said, Tony, I'd like you to meet Pastor Jane. Oh, she said, I thought you were a church lady. I am, to which Tony replied, so am I. Our day jobs meant absolutely nothing to the recovery effort after a tornado. We simply got to work pulling up our sleeves, putting on our gloves, and you've done the same. Church ladies, we get the job done. Thank you, Hamilton. We were not the only ones working. We were doing one task and we knew we were part of a team. Which reminds us of me of last week's lesson about Mary and Martha. Now, Luke is the one speaking in Acts. Luke was the one telling us the story about Mary and Martha last week. And before their story, Luke wrote these, this very little sentence that usually gets ignored. The 12 disciples were with Jesus, as well as Mary, called Magdalene, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many other women who ministered to them out of their own resources. These budding church ladies footed the bills offered shoulders, resources, and a way station to keep Jesus, who was unemployed and homeless, to keep Jesus ministering, and the disciples with Jesus. Ever wonder who took care of them? Luke just let us know. Luke wrote the book of Acts, which really does center around the stories of Peter and Paul, who get a lot of attention, but, the people they meet, the people they meet tell the real story of Jesus's church. Not the heroes of our faith, but those whose work may have gone unseen or unnoticed by the whole church, but whose leadership behind the scenes was crucial to this budding church to make the church come alive whether they were cooks, arrangers, preachers, teachers, or cleaners. Their shoulders, their hands created the church. They were present. So today I would like to lift, lift up as our scriptures read, thank you so much for bringing that to us, Lee, two women and then how many others that, that haven't been named. They were all in my sermon, but my sermon ended up to be an hour and I kind of thought you didn't want to go there. So I'll highlight two and mention the others and leave them for you to look up and study. Looking at what we've heard from Acts and Mary and Martha, their stories illuminate the phrase that I love to use about you, the ministry of your lives. 
This phrase is one that I use because what you do, here you get fortified, you get encouraged, you get empowered to go through those doors, out your home door, and carry on with the ministry of your lives. The way you create beauty, the way you share beauty, the way you see beauty elsewhere and bring it to somebody who can't get outside, the way you challenge and disrupt the way things have always been done, the new friendships you make, the hospitality you share, the phone call, the email, the checking up on a friend. That is what makes the Church of Jesus Christ thrive. Thank you for doing that. Through a pandemic, during a pandemic, oh, may the days of post-pandemic be soon. This won't change. This is who and what you are, the ministries of your lives which I like to recognize in my favorite benediction, which comes from the epistle of Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. And I do not include the very final line because I, that's in Ephesians, so if you look it up, you don't say that. I know I don't, I summarize it. So the, my final line in my benediction is, to the one, be glory in the church through you, the ministry of your lives. It may go unnoticed, but it is noticed not only by God, but by the church that keeps going because of you. And recognition is never the point. I will never be in the headlines. I'm not a headliner. You will be in the headlines in the Palo Alto news, the Bay Area news, what you do, what you share. And if you're not in the headlines, we see where your name is mentioned and we applaud the ministry of your lives. Church ladies in the New Testament were not headliners. Now, Mary Magdalene, she was really awfully close, but as we talked about last week, her story kind of got suppressed. The church ladies throughout church history were not big news until I was looking up when the first PCOSA woman was ordained back in the 50s, and then the struggle that came after there. My ordination is on the backs of those women, and I do not take that for granted. Peter and Paul, they made headlines. But Paul the convert from Saul, from the oppressor, from the terrorist, he understood the ministry of the lives of the women he met. We'll start with the, our first story, Tabitha Dorcas. Her name, it goes back and forth, it's the same name. She was called a disciple of Jesus, one of the disciples. In scripture, being a disciple is an honor. It's an honorable position as well as a statement of faith, intent, and purpose. Tabitha is someone devoted to helping others and probably very concerned about the community of widows in Joppa. Not just because widows were vulnerable, but because the Old Testament scripture she knew said, community, take care of the widows. That's one of your main jobs. And you'll see that referenced elsewhere. The community loved her enough that when her life ebbed away, when she died 
too soon. They did something that was probably not necessarily in their DNA. They knew the apostle Peter was close by. And they said, hey, let's have Peter pray over Tabitha Dorcas. Maybe she will come back to life because he knew Jesus. We won't even get into all of that. But here's the big news. The headliner, Peter, went back to Joppa at their request to pray over Lydia. Did Peter know what was going to happen? I doubt it. Did God know what was going to happen? Indeed. Why Tabitha Dorcas and not others is not the question. Here's a story of a community that said, let's go interrupt what Peter's doing. Ask him to come back. Pray over Tabitha. We want her service. We want to honor her. And Peter took her hand. He prayed. She sat up. And we actually don't know what happened next, but I think you could figure it out. God continued working through Tabitha, an activist for the community who lives again in resurrection. Not to be explained, these are the words of uh, theologian Willie Jennings, whom I absolutely love. And he also writes, it is no accident that the first disciple to have this little taste of the resurrection is a woman because it was a woman who gave the first announcement of the resurrection, Mary. And this point was probably not lost on Peter, who had denied Mary's first witness to resurrection. Why did he deny it? He didn't see it with his own eyes, and he was trying his hardest, but he couldn't go there. So to Tabitha, stand up. Our second story is about Lydia's house church. She was a local businesswoman, a merchant in Philippi who sold purple cloth. Now, we can take purple for granted, they could not. Purple dye was extracted from sea snails in ancient Tyre, a process that I've read about, but it's really unpleasant to explain, so you look it up yourself. Purple cloth was a luxury item for the highest of elites, for royalty. If you had purple on your tombstone, it was an honor. Given this was Lydia's day job, selling this purple cloth, I um, think it's fair to assume she was a woman of means. Luke subtly points this out in two sentences. From what Lee read, when she and her household were baptized, we're not talking about one person or her prayer group, her household, the economy that sustained her business, people that lived in her home, not only as employees, but as family, as people she cared for, a whole household was invited to be baptized with Lydia. And we're not talking six or seven people, we're talking a large company of people. How big her estate was is absolutely unimportant because your means, my means, or lack of does not change our status before God. It is the expanse of Lydia's generosity that we need to look at. She didn't put these people up someplace else. They were in her household in Philippi. I said two things, I, that was her baptism. Then she invites Paul and Luke and everybody else with him 
to stay in her house. There's extra room. Now this conjecture, guess, I don't think it's hopeful thinking, I think it's awfully close, becomes probably the house church that we know of through the letter to the Philippians. Because how, nobody had sanctuaries in the first century. Where did they start? Home, where most of you on Zoom are. One of the reasons I love Zoom. The center of home and hospitality and welcome became the basis and the foundation of the growing church. I'd like to point out the picture that I have. These are not, I assume, church ladies. They are, based on the title of the picture, women in protest. Women in India, because that's where the picture comes from, sitting as in a protest, not standing, sitting. Look at how many there are. Would you like to disrupt their protest? The power of women. So now I want to leave you with a couple of other names and no explanations because you can look these women up. Few explanations. I'll leave you with Priscilla, whom Paul mentions several times. First in where he met her first in Rome, where she and spouse Aquila had fled because of the persecution to Corinth as a refugee, who met Paul there and wasted no time assembling a house church, another church, a community, worshiping. And the story of Corinth is a fun one. Perhaps David will pick that up for us. Then Priscilla and spouse Aquila traveled with Paul to Ephesus and Syria. Priscilla interrupts Apollos' ministry saying, I think you might have a couple of details wrong. Let's fix this. And how about if you and Paul kind of talk to each other and Paul, and, and Paul speaks about Apollos saying, you guys are following the God of Apollos or the God of Paul. No, 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 no. You're following the God made known, revealed by Jesus Christ. We're, we're working on this together. Priscilla was a part of that. So here are some women for you to look up. You could look in the um, cha uh, chapter 16 of Romans, um, the first couple of verses, where Paul sends greetings, very specifically naming names. Women in ministry and the conclusion of Paul's book to the Romans. And he specifically sends greetings to Phoebe. You can look her up a deacon of the church of Sencria, Prisca, short form of Priscilla, so probably one and the same. Mary, which one? Junia, called an apostle. She's named Apostle Junia. Workers in the Lord, Tryphenia and Tryphosa, Paris, Rufus's mother, and Julia. These women do not need their stories outlined because like Tabitha, Dorcas, Lydia, Mary, and Martha, you and me, we live the ministry of our lives. And our stories of being disciples of Jesus work through our hands, our caring, our compassion, our statements. These church ladies are core values of the early church, the first church homes, the first church church and they were willing 
to minister without details of their story being published. It might give us a way of looking at faithfulness and possibility where recognition by others is not important, just the recognition for whom we work. To God be the glory. Amen.